You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nick Falato, and we are coming off of a 22-20 New York Giants defeat to the New England Patriots that ended in a very exciting manner with Mike Glennon finding Damian Willis in the end zone, which forced a two-point conversion that Glennon could not convert on, but it was still an exciting ending to this game where we saw the Giants starters play the first half. And we're going to get into happenings around the league, but I have to start with this New York Giants game, talk about this offensive line, and I'll be on the Chris and Joe show this week to elaborate further. But all of the concerns that we have had here at Big Blue View for the last, I don't know, six or seven months came to fruition in this game with this offensive line. Now, I'm not going to overreact and doom the Giants, but if the Giants offensive line plays like they did in week one against this New England Patriots team, then this New York Giants football team is going to have a very hard time pushing the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys for the division title here on the NFC East. And the Giants rolled out with Nate Solder as the starting right tackle who played the first two series. I thought that was interesting. And then Matt Parrott alternated about every two series and also played into the second half. That makes me think that Solder has an opportunity to actually start in two weeks against the Denver Broncos, especially after Matt Parrott looked subpar to be honest in this game the one play where Daniel Jones missed Sterling Shepard in the in the back of the end zone Parrott looked terrible on that one play I don't know what was going on with his technique ultimately I think Matt Parrott will be the starter week one with a very very short leash and we may be seeing more Nate Solder than we originally anticipated This Giants team, Dave Gettleman, this Giants brass, the Giants coaching staff all had a lot of hubris when it came to developing these young players, when it came to Rob Sale stepping in and stabilizing the situation after a tumultuous tenure that was inhibited by Mark Colombo last year, the offensive line coach. And it came down to Dave DiGuglielmo stepping in to finish the season after a verbal altercation with head coach Joe Judge and Mark Colombo transpired last year about midseason. Now with Rob Sale stepping in, a lot of people felt, a lot of people in the organization, I should say, felt comfortable and content with the current roster. Now, I have to say, Zach Fulton and Joe Looney both retired unexpectedly. But that doesn't even touch on the tackle position. Both Andrew Thomas and Matt Parrott struggled in this preseason game. Andrew Thomas gave up, I believe, a sack and a half, two pressures, and had a holding penalty. 
and he was just getting beat routinely by Josh Uche around his outside shoulder. Too often, when he was taking his short set, he wasn't getting enough depth. It seemed like maybe he was overcompensating for his inside, something we saw him do a little bit last year. Getting beat inside was his problem last season, although he was beat around the edge in several different games, specifically against the Bears in Week 2, against Dallas on that Demarcus Lawrence sack that was a scoop-and-score situation for that Cowboys putrid defense, and then also against the Eagles sometimes. So it did happen, but he was better protecting his outside shoulder than he was protecting his inside, specifically early in the season, but he was getting beat around the edge. He was allowing Josh Uche and some of these other edge rushers to get hip-to-hip when that half-man relationship that edge defenders are striving to obtain against tackles who are 300-plus pounds, and that also allows these edge defenders to set up their pass-rushing moves and puts them into an advantageous situation while the tackle is put into a situation where he has to flip his hips, turn his body, and ride the defender up the arc. Thomas failed at allowing the edge defender for, to get hip-to-hip. He allowed that to happen, and after the defender was hip to hip, he allowed him to corner through contact, bend through contact, as they say as well, which is definitely a problem. This cannot happen against pass rushers like Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, or week one, September 12th, is going to be an insanely long day for Daniel Jones, Jason Garrett, and everybody who dons Giants blue. This needs to be corrected, and these little mistakes cannot happen during the regular season. Andrew Thomas is arguably the offensive lineman that people should, before this game, feel, I guess, the most comfortable with. Him or Will Hernandez, or possibly even Nick Gates. And I didn't see much wrong with the interior offensive line when it came comes to Will Hernandez and Nick Gates in this game. Ted Larson and... And Wiggins, Kenny Wiggins, they were up and down here and there. And then the, all three of the tackles struggled. I mean, we went over Andrew Thomas, Matt Parrott. Both struggled on significant snaps. And then Nate Solder, there was about one or two snaps. One where he was beaten inside and gave up a half sack. And these situations come regular season are going to just bring this offense down, bring this team down if they continue to happen. And this team in general, if you really think about it, and we've brought it up on the podcast with Chris and Joe, there are three things that can hold this 2021 Giants team back, and I believe it's Daniel Jones, the offensive line, and Jason Garrett and his play calling, and Daniel Jones, we'll get into him in a little bit, but I'm most concerned about this offensive line. I mean, these are five entities, none of them proven, and if any of them are injured, you're looking at some really, really shaky depth behind all the positions. Solder is the one that you probably feel best about, but we haven't seen him play meaningful snaps since 2019. He opted out of the 2020 season, and now he has to play on the right side. So the entire situation could be a disaster. For the 2021 New York Giants, and we're hoping that it is not, and that development ensues with Rob Sale kind of grooming these young players. Hopefully, when Shane Lemieux is fully healthy, he'll be there week one. That's something that I guess we're all glass half full looking at. But I know that I don't want to overreact, but what we saw with this Patriots game, with this first team offense, Outside of that last drive, it wasn't great. And even the interception drive was solid. There were some solid plays there, but then Daniel Jones, and we'll get into him right now, ends up throwing that interception, something that we saw far too often in his first two seasons as an NFL starter. Just carelessness 
with the football. And I get the fact that many speculate that Evan Ingram should have sat on that play, but the flow of that play was lateral. And Daniel Jones threw across his body towards a bunch of defenders. So that's an ill-advised throw either way, even if Evan Ingram was supposed to sit based on the coverage. So those are the types of mistakes that we saw Daniel Jones make a lot. We saw him make that mistake against Pittsburgh last year. We saw him make that mistake a couple times against the Buccaneers last year. And he was better with it in year two than he was in year one. But we've only seen one half of Daniel Jones so far in preseason, so far this season, and he has one of those interceptions. But other than that, Jones finishes the day 17 of 22 for 135 yards, a touchdown, and then that interception. He could have had another interception. It was close. It was a badly placed ball to Dante Pettis on an out route. On a third down situation, it was inside. It could have been picked, but it wasn't. So that is something great to take away from that. I also thought Jones had some solid throws. The one from the far hash on an out route to Dante Pettis was very, very nice. The drop by Darius Slayton on a third and long, that was also a really nice throw from Daniel Jones. And we've seen those things, but we also see the mistakes. We saw the mistake I just went over, the interception on third down where he should have threw it away and took the three points but he tried to force it something that he's been guilty of doing in the past and also he missed Devonte booker wide open when the pocket was kind of collapsing in on him and he should have threw the football but he double clutched it second guessed and then ate the sack these are little problems that you see throughout daniel jones's film and you hope that he can really kind of put everything together in this offense that Jason Garrett runs. And we haven't we didn't really necessarily get to see that in the New England game. Well, at least we saw a couple mistakes, but you still see those flashes as well. And those flashes are what make Daniel Jones frustrating because consistency is something that he has struggled with throughout his career, but then he shows you those flashes, that far hash throw to Dante Pettis, some of those third down throws where he hits people in the hands and they end up dropping the football. Obviously, the touchdown pass and that drive in general to Caden Smith to cap off the first half. It's a very nice throw to Caden Smith. Allowed Caden Smith to use his body, jump up, high point the ball, and come down for a touchdown on a slot fade. We want to see more slot fades. We think Evan Ingram could be a pretty solid piece as a receiving weapon on those slot fades, but we don't see them enough. Is that because Jason Garrett... It's play calling, or is it because they have to keep six-man protection packages in? They don't have time to really attack defenses vertically. I think it's probably a combination of a few different things, but great play by Caden Smith. We hope Evan Ingram is okay. We hope Darius Slayton is okay because they were both dinged up, which is definitely something that we will be monitoring this week over there at Big Blue View. But we just got to hope this offensive line plays better than what we saw, and they were just on an extreme off day. And Andrew Thomas, I mean, the first tackle out of the big four taken, and we're in year two now, so it's none of those rookie excuses that we had. Yes, he's still a young player. This is his third offensive line coach, and that can create some uncertainty for sure. But excuses are going to get old if we see the similar mistakes where he makes a mistake and then he doesn't correct it and that's something that he did in year one and that's something that he did in this preseason loss so that's definitely are a couple things that I really wanted to touch on and I'm sure Ed Valentine myself Chris and Joe will be going over this a little bit more extensively 
But as for the defense, I mean, the defense was able to get four sacks. Willie Henry, Lorenzo Carter, Dexter Lawrence, Trent Harris all getting in there. A lot of them were covered sacks. We saw a lot of man coverage, which we expect. We saw some interesting blitz packages, five-man pressure packages. Blake Martinez used a gap plug blitz. We saw James Bradbury blitz, boundary cornerback blitz. We saw nickel blitz. So Patrick Graham was employing his arsenal in this in this year or in this third preseason game against a year one quarterback, against a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones. So I thought that the defense, you could see some trap coverages on the back end from what you could see from the broadcast angle, Logan Ryan kind of shooting down on third down, baiting Mac Jones and or Cam Newton, who was the quarterback at that time, into kind of throwing to the number two receiver, hopefully getting a robber situation where Logan Ryan could have intercepted the pass. But that didn't end up happening. But just employing those coverages is an excellent way to create turnovers, which will put the offense in a better situation so the offense doesn't have to be as efficient because they weren't as great in that department last season. Anyways, I just wanted to speak on both sides of the ball for the New York Giants. And now I'm going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back here to talk about some of the other things happening around the league. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a big week in the NFL because final cutdowns will be happening. Every NFL team will be cutting their roster down to 53 men, and there's going to be a lot of teams, a lot of pro scouting departments who are going to be poaching other teams' cuts. We see this a lot. Caden Smith was poached from the San Francisco 49ers back in 2019. He was a six-round pick. They tried to slip him through waivers. The Giants selected him, and now he's a pretty solid contributor to this Giants offense, even though he was not used as much as a receiver in 2020. He still had a vital role during the 2020 season in Jason Garrett's 
offense. And that's going to be happening all next week. It's going to be really, really exciting. I'm sure the final 53-man roster the Giants have on Tuesday is going to be different than the final 53 roster come game day. There's going to be new faces, and that's going to be consistent throughout the league. And it's already kind of started, at least somewhat, because the NFL has had a lot of trades recently. And, I mean, the Giants have been a beneficiary of this when they sent Isaac Yidem, who was beat on a touchdown pass, to Gabriel Davis in the Buffalo Bills game where, I mean, I mean, Josh Allen just absolutely tore the Packers' secondary apart. In this preseason, we're not going to harp on preseason stats, but 20 of 26 for 194 yards and two touchdowns is pretty great. But the Giants have benefited. I mean, they shipped Isaac Yidem out. And you know what? The crazy thing about that is I think Yidem would have made this team now that the injuries have happened to Quincy Wilson and Dory Jackson got dinged up. And I don't think that Josh Jackson is going to make this team because he's dealing with a calf injury. But I'm not even referring to that trade as much as I am Ryan Santoso, the kicker, being sent to the Carolina Panthers for a 2022 seventh-round selection. Hopefully the Giants can find another Tay Crowder or Carter Coughlin, somebody who can contribute for this team, like those two who were 2020 seventh-round picks. But other than them, more trades, more interesting trades than a kicker to Carolina. Gardner Minshew is acquired by the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think this is interesting because Jalen Hurts, who was benched right before the game, preseason game, second one, he had stomach cramps, stomach issues. And the Philadelphia Eagles had to start Joe Flacco, who is a solid backup to have. But I think they also view this, and they say Minshew was somebody that the Jacksonville Jaguars weren't going to give a role to, obviously, since they have Trevor Lawrence. So... Trade a conditional six-round pick for Minshew, a player who has a lot of starting experience, a player who's a little bit more fanfare than effective quarterback play, if we're going to be honest. But he's somebody that if Jalen Hurts does struggle, you are going to feel maybe a little bit more comfortable with than somebody even like Joe Flacco. And that's mostly because Gardner Minshew is a younger ascending player and Joe Flacco is a more established player. And Joe Flacco is a Super Bowl champion. We can't negate that fact. But... Gardner Minshew is somebody who can continue to learn an offense and grow because he was a 2019 sixth round selection who ended up starting a lot of games for a bad football team in Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think it's an interesting move by the Eagles. It's somebody that I wouldn't be shocked to see if the team continues to lose, although I believe Jalen Hurts has a lot more upside. He's a better athlete, and he's coming along as a passer, but he was never the most accurate passer, dating back to his days at Alabama and even at Oklahoma when he was with Lincoln Riley and really put himself back on the map to be a viable quarterback option in the draft so it's going to be Jalen Hurts job to lose but still interesting depth piece for little compensation back to Jacksonville who wasn't going to have a role for Minshew so I think that's interesting and I think the Sony Michelle trade to the Rams is also interesting obviously Cam Akers was injured earlier this offseason a torn Achilles and that's devastating their backup is Daryl Henderson and that's a player that They seem to like, but they never fully trust, and that could be because Daryl Henderson has dealt with a lot of Nick type of injuries, broken finger, and now he has a strained thumb right now, and the depth behind Daryl Henderson is Xavier Jones and Jake Funk, a bunch of former UDFAs, and the Rams like to use more than just one back. 
at least they have in the past outside of Todd Gurley and then Cam Akers late last season. But they always had Malcolm Brown who would earn some snaps. Daryl Henderson would work his way in there as well. And you want a player who has significant games under his belt. Xavier Jones, Jake Funk do not. Sony Michelle has played in the Super Bowl and is a Super Bowl champion. And yes, he has some degenerative knee issues, but you did not trade all that much. A fourth round pick in 2023 and a 2022 sixth rounder and And honestly, I thought the fourth round pick, I was like, wow, because this is a player that the Patriots did not pick up his fifth year option. So it was an interesting get. And I could see Michelle really working his way into a pass catching role and possibly early downs if Henderson struggles or these nagging injuries persist with someone like Daryl Henderson. But Sony Michelle is now a fantasy option that you can draft late in the draft on a team that loves to run a lot of stretch zone, a team that loves to build their passing attack off their running game, and they love to run the football. At least they did with Jared Goff. I expect him to be maybe a little bit more aggressive with a quarterback like Matthew Stafford. Still though, Sony Michelle to the Rams is something that definitely caught some headlines. This one did not catch as many headlines, but it's interesting to the New York Giants, and that's Greg Mance, former Houston Texan, being traded from the Baltimore Ravens to the Miami Dolphins. I want the Giants to make a move like this for somebody that their pro football scouting department is in love with. That's something that I would like to see from an interior offensive lineman or possibly even a tackle that may not make the team. The Giants trade a seventh round pick for them and they earn their right to be on the 53-man roster and the Giants don't have to deal with the whole waiver system. So that's a way to kind of get somebody who may not make a squad. I would be all about that. There's not a lot of quality offensive linemen that are going to be up for late round pick swap like there was with Greg Mance right here but definitely has to be an option for the New York Giants with the current depth all across their offensive line we also got to see Sean Wade who was a fifth round pick by the Ravens this year something actually speculated that Wade was going to be a top 10 pick after the 2018-2019 football season but he had a horrendous 2020 as a cornerback for the Ohio State Buckeyes and he ended up sliding to the fifth round and a lot of people don't believe he's athletic enough to be a full-time cornerback but the New England Patriots traded a seventh round pick and a 2023 fifth round selection to acquire the rights to Sean Wade if there's anybody who's going to write that ship it would be Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots and we got to see him in live action saw him actually have some really nice plays in coverage but he's still a player that has been inconsistent, has been up and down, and definitely one that in draft circles was polarizing because he had such a high pedigree coming out of Ohio State, and then his 2020 tape was just so bad that it just dropped him to day three. You don't often see picks be traded in the same year they were drafted. But last year, we actually saw it when the Raiders traded third-round wide receiver Lynn Bowden to the Dolphins. So this is two years in a row. We got to see it with two prospects who were really interesting. And Sean Wade, who had that top 10, top 15 pedigree earlier in his collegiate career. And then Lynn Bowden, who was somebody who has had quarterback snaps in college. So I find that to be pretty interesting. All right. Now, other news to kind of go over since... We also do a lot of fantasy football content here at Big Blue View, myself included. I really kind of want to touch on the big injuries that are going to affect fantasy football here. Now, there are a lot of 
injuries such as Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay on the Giants, where we're not 100% certain if they're going to be available for week one, but we imagine that they probably will. Amari Cooper returned to the field. Odell Beckham Jr. looks really, really quick and really, really good and ready to play football again. All these guys' ADPs are probably lower than they should actually be. And then Cortland Sutton caught a touchdown, planting and driving off that surgically repaired left leg. So that's another player whose ADP should be on the rise because he looked pretty darn good out there. DeAndre Swift is a player that may not be ready for week one. And if he is, Dan Campbell alluded to probably not giving him the full workload. So Jamal Williams... His ADP right now is at 115. That should be skyrocketing up because Swift is somebody who has dealt with hamstring injuries earlier in camp, has dealt with a groin injury last year, or I mean right now, and then last year he had all those concussion issues that he was going through. So that's a really injury-prone type of player. So getting his backup, somebody that the Lions committed to in the offseason, somebody that can play on third down. Jamal Williams, a really, really good former Green Bay Packer. I think that's wise at that part of the draft. Then we have the two devastating injuries that happened. One just happened this weekend, and the other happened last week on Monday Night Football. First, J.K. Dobbins tore his ACL on a little slip screen from Lamar Jackson, and he's going to miss the season. That really, really sucks, to be honest, and it skyrockets Gus Edwards up the draft board. And also... The third-year running back out of Oklahoma State, Justice Hill, is probably going to be the change of pace back. I wouldn't be shocked if the Ravens look to add another running back. I know they worked out Todd Gurley earlier in the offseason, but I don't know how much Todd Gurley has left. He looked pretty drained last year for the Atlanta Falcons, so I wouldn't necessarily want to bank on him. But the Ravens right now are just decimated all along their skill position players. You lose J.K. Dobbins. Rashad Bateman had a groin injury, and he's probably not going to return until October. Sammy Watkins and Marquise Brown have missed significant practice time with hamstring injuries. So there's going to be a lot of Tyler Wallace out there, rookie out of Oklahoma State. There's going to be a lot of just younger, less developed players. And what that means to me is that Lamar Jackson is probably going to rely heavily on Mark Andrews, who's going in the fifth round right now at a position that doesn't have a lot of good football players. If you can't get the big three tight ends, which if you're in a 10-team league, that's basic two running back, two wide receiver, one quarterback, one tight end, one flex, you should really try to target one of Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, or George Kittle to get that positional advantage at tight end. I think that is just a very, very smart thing to do in shallower leagues. You'll have a significant leg up on your competition if you have Travis Kelsey and you're going up against a team that has somebody who may score them five points at the tight end position. So that's something to definitely consider. But if you can't get those top three, I think Mark Andrews is... I don't want to say he's getting slept on because last year he really disappointed, but because he disappointed, I feel like a lot of people are hesitant to draft him at around round five. So I think that that's somebody to definitely look into. Mark Andrews, tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson does not have a lot of reliable weapons, and he just lost J.K. Dobbins, who's gonna be, who was going to be a pivotal part of this rushing attack that's so potent by Greg Roman and this Ravens offense. So Mark Andrews is somebody that uh, that is definitely an option. And then the other injury, sadly, rookie running back Travis Etienne of the Jacksonville Jaguars now. 
He suffered a Liz Frank injury in his left foot, and he's probably going to miss the majority, if not the entire season. I'm imagining the Jags are not going to be in playoff contention, and he may be eligible to return very, very late in the year, but it would probably be wise to let him rehab, rest, and be ready for year two. Now, this means James Robinson is going to assume a much bigger role, but I don't believe he's going to take the entire workload on like he did last year after the Jags got rid of Leonard Fournette. I think Carlos Hyde, who went to Ohio State, has ties with Urban Meyer, is going to be splitting some duty with James Robinson, probably get some third down work as well, Carlos Hyde. But I still think Robinson jolts up the board as well. Somebody a lot of people weren't drafting, but now he's going to see more workload with this offense. It's going to probably be throwing a lot. So you will also see Carlos Hyde, which is going to be frustrating for James Robinson owners. But still, James Robinson is a, is a solid option for sure at his current ADP, and it continues to go up day by day because this is relatively new news, so you definitely want to check. If it gets into a range where he's being drafted around like Clyde Edwards-Alaire or slightly after that, which I don't envision, then I'd, I'd pull back just a little bit on an offense that their offensive line is probably a little bit better than people give them credit for, if we're going to be honest, but it's still not an elite offensive line. But injuries, I mean, they're just terrible, terrible reality in football. And it sucks, man, that J.K. Dobbins, Travis Etienne, players like Carl Lawson are going to miss probably the whole season. It's uh, devastating news for those players, and we all hope that they get back nice and healthy. And as for some of these preseason games, like I said, I'm not going to dive deep into a lot of these stats. I will say that players like Tyler Huntley, the backup quarterback to Lamar Jackson, lit the world on fire 24-33 using his legs also for 285 yards and four touchdowns. The Ravens dropped a 37-burger on the Washington football team who had three points, and the Ravens also extended and set a record of 20 straight preseason victories, which is a record in the NFL, so kudos to John Harbaugh and that coaching staff and all of those players. Also, Benjamin Victor had five catches for 85 yards and a touchdown in that game, and Eric Tomlinson had a touchdown in that game. Possibly returnee, former New York Giant Eric Tomlinson. If he ends up not making that roster, I can see the Giants looking to bring him in because of his blocking prowess and his knowledge of this Jason Garrett offense. And then outside of that, we had the epic tie between the Eagles and the Jets, which was entertaining. The Eagles had an interception for a touchdown to take an eight-point lead, and instead of going, they could have just went down on the ground, and the game would have been over because the Jets would not have had a timeout, but instead the Eagles ran it back into the end zone, and it's literally like bulletin board have to talk about it in the first meeting in the next practice type of material because after that the Jets led a drive that hit a Hail Mary to Kenny Yaboa who had four catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns who's a rookie tight end out of Old Miss and two-point conversion good final score 31-31 it would have been an Eagles victory Instead, it ends up being a tie, and Nick Sirianni is still looking for his first professional win as a head coach because they end up finishing 0-2-1 with a really, really embarrassing loss to the New England Patriots in Week 2 as well. Also want to give 
a little hand clap to Jesper Horstad, Princeton grad, finishing his game. He's the tight end for the Chicago Bears, backup tight end. Five catches for 104 yards and three touchdowns. One of those touchdowns was a beautiful play by Justin Fields, who escaped and evaded in the pocket, rolled to his right, eluded a defender, and then threw a strike in the corner back corner of the end zone, which was a beautiful catch by Horstead and a beautiful extension of the play by Justin Fields. I'm very, very excited about Justin Fields. I'm very, very excited about Trey Lance, who also played really well in week three. He's been playing well for the majority of the preseason, still has mistakes here and there, may not read everything entirely cleanly, but I mean, in this game, he ended up leading the 49ers to a 34-10 victory. Also on the back of Jermichael Hasty, who had a couple nice touchdown runs. But Trey Lance looks like the real deal, as does Justin Fields. On the last podcast, I talked extensively about the development of all of these young quarterbacks. And I have to say, just to reiterate, they all still look good even after the Week 3 game. Trevor Lawrence had two early touchdowns, one to LaVisca Chenault in that 34-14 game to the Cowboys. He finished the game 11-12 of 12 for 139 yards and two touchdowns. Mac Jones against the Giants was 10-14 of 14 for 156 yards and a touchdown. So all of these rookie quarterbacks have been looking really good. Zach Wilson didn't play in the third preseason game. The Jets just held him out. But you have to say, man, they all looked good in preseason. Let's see what they can do in the regular season. Alrighty, everybody. I am Nicholas Filato. You are listening to Big Blue View the radio network. We have some excellent content coming down the pipeline over there at Big Blue View. Please check us out at BigBlueView.com. For myself, for the Big Blue View staff, please have a lovely, lovely day. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.